The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gates for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. This past Thursday, we were moving into the uh, space in the undercroft where the classrooms were to uh, take them over as our offices in the interim operation. And uh, you may find some of us uh, a little bit uh, groggy and with sore backs because of what's been going on the last couple of days. And you'll see a lot of upheaval throughout the church, I think. But uh, while we were uh, preparing for all of that, there was one of the workers uh, on the bathrooms that are at the bottom of the steps. There are new bathrooms being put in down there, uh, going down to the undercroft. Uh, We asked if he could... Uh, put new locks on the doors because actually the the doors of those classrooms uh, have no locks and we have people in and out all the time during the week. So there was a bit of a concern about how he would secure those things that should be kept confidential and not have printers or computers walk off. So he wanted to talk with me to see how we would set up those locks because each room has three doors. (laughs) So You know, do you want three keys for one room? I mean, it just got very complicated. We got through all of that. And then he started to talk with me about his recent trip with his family to Italy and what a wonderful time they had. And then he said, you can't believe how many pictures I have of doors. (laughs) Now, those of you who have been in Europe, almost any place in Europe, know that doors are very unique, uh, all of them seemingly different. But he commented about how welcoming those doors seemed. And then he said, when you went in, if it was a house or perhaps a hotel or some other building, there was a wonderful foyer and then in some cases even a courtyard. And he was so struck by that expression of hospitality in in a particular place, how a door and an entry could make such a difference. Well, as he was telling me about that, I was thinking about the old parish house, which we celebrate today, which will be coming down soon. And how many people have come through its doors? How many people have come in and hopefully were welcomed? And how many memories are contained in that place? 
And then I thought about the new parish house that we will build and wondering, what will those doors be like? What will that entry feel like? And most of all, will those doors be doors of welcome or will they be doors that indicate separation? And my prayer, of course, is that they will be doors of welcome. Well, as I was preparing uh, this sermon, <clears throat> my encounter with uh, this gentleman came to mind because in this section that we had have, have from the gospel today, Jesus says, I am the gate. And in if you translate the Greek literally, I am the door. The fourth Sunday of Easter is uh, often called Good Shepherd Sunday. And for good reason, because we have that colic, which uh, acknowledges Jesus as the Good Shepherd. We also uh, read or sing the 23rd Psalm together. And no matter which lectionary year we're in, we do a section from the 10th chapter of John, this uh, Good Shepherd discourse that Jesus presents. The, uh, the problem is that Actually, in this section, actually, it's a good thing, I think, in this section, Jesus doesn't say, I am the good shepherd. I was relieved at that because I have preached so many sermons on Jesus, the good shepherd. I couldn't figure out what I'd possibly say again about sheep, sheepfolds and Jesus. <laughs> so instead, I thought this is a perfect opportunity to talk about that wonderful image he gives us of Jesus, the door. Well, we don't have hymns that go with that particularly well, and there isn't a, a there isn't a psalm quite like the 23rd Psalm that will reinforce it. But I think it's important for us to consider Jesus as the door, the gate. Our reading uh, today comes really in the middle of a bigger section that it's a part of one of the problems with the way. The uh, canon is put together is that there are sort of arbitrary divisions between chapters. And, of course, the lectionary uh, breaks that up. So we don't get the whole section that this applies to. And it's important because that's what gives it its context. Uh, throughout John, we find a pattern. Uh, the pattern is Jesus performing a sign or a miracle. And then uh, people who are present and seeing it are confused. They're trying to understand it. And that's followed by a discourse where Jesus explains what the sign was or gives insight that he's bringing forth as a result of the sign. So the, the passage we have today is really a part of that kind of an exposition. The sign was the healing of the man born blind. And we had that passage, some will remember, in Lent. And this is the story about the man that Jesus encounters. He's blind. He finds out he's blind from birth. And Jesus makes a kind of a mud uh, paste, puts it on his eyes, tell, tells him to go to the pool of Shalom to wash his eyes. And then the man sees. But before all that happens, the, the Pharisees are there and, and they say, who sinned that this man is blind? Did he sin or was it his parents who sinned? Well, after the man is healed and he comes back, those who knew him could hardly believe that this happened. So there was a lot of questioning about who he was. And finally, they go to the Pharisees. They want the Pharisees to investigate this miracle. And the Pharisees in inquire of him, who healed you? What happened? And then they even haul in his parents and they ask his parents, is this really your son? Was he blind from birth? 
they could not believe that this man was healed. But they were also upset that if he, in fact, was healed, Jesus was a sinner because he did it on the Sabbath. And they finally cast the man out, the scripture says. And then Jesus seeks the man once more and talks with him. And in the course of that conversation, the man realizes, the man who had been healed, realizes that he's with the Messiah. And he falls down and worships him. Now, apparently there were some uh, there were some Pharisees who were near and could hear that conversation and observe what was going on. And they encounter Jesus and they challenge him. And that brings us to where we are today with this particular gospel lesson. What Jesus, what we heard read is Jesus response to those Pharisees and an opening up of what that sign meant. And so this is where we begin. It's not just one of these wonderful pastoral scenes, but rather it is a challenging time for Jesus. He's being challenged as to who he is and what his mission is. Well, Jesus begins uh, to respond to those Pharisees by presenting this uh, beautiful image of the shepherd and the sheep. And it's uh, in that image, it's a metaphor that he's using to give them some insight into who he is and what his mission is. And he says that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd and the shepherd knows each of the sheep by name. So there's an intimacy that he's describing in that relationship. Well, the Pharisees still don't understand what he's talking about. So Jesus goes on and he tries something different. And he says, very truly, I tell you. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. In that metaphor, seeing Jesus as the gate, we see in that protection provided by that gate. But also the gate goes both ways. It's also going out and finding pasture, finding sustenance. And throughout the, the, the Gospels, we see Jesus providing sustenance. Remember the feeding of the 5,000. And remember the time that he uh, turned the water into wine at the wedding at Cana. And there are many other times in the Gospel we see Jesus bringing people together around sustenance. So that's one thing I think that we see in this image of Jesus as the gate. But can you imagine what it meant to the man who was born blind? That man no longer had to go about in darkness, but rather he was able to go around seeing. No longer did he have to just beg for a living, but rather he could make his own living. So for that man, Jesus, the gate opened up something wonderful to him. New life to him. Well, then Jesus says the most wonderful thing I think that we hear in Scripture. These are these, I think, are some of the most beautiful words that Jesus spoke. He says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Now, if you read through that whole account and it goes from the first chapter, uh, first verse of uh, chapter nine, all the way through, I think, to the 22nd verse of chapter 10. Jesus doesn't talk about sin very much at all. The Pharisees talk about sin a lot. 
They talk about the sin of the man born blind. Was it his fault? Was it his sin? They talk about his parents. Did they sin? Is that why he's blind? They talk about Jesus. He sinned because he did this on the Sabbath. But what Jesus talks about is light and life and love and the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep, about hearing the voice of the shepherd, about following, about about being made safe, about abundance. And then if you think back to that marriage at Cana, talk about abundance. It was probably the third day of the wedding and they were running out of wine. (laughs) And as one commentator said, Jesus made so much wine, it was probably dangerous for those who were present. (laughs) It was overflowing with wonderful wine. And then think about the feeding of the 5,000. Talk about abundance. And the disciples couldn't see it. They were limited in what they thought was possible. But Jesus said, give them what you have. And as they gave, there was more and more and more. And everyone had enough to eat and more than enough. And they gathered up baskets full of the remainder. This is the abundant life that Jesus points to throughout the gospel. He doesn't talk so much about our sin as much as he talks about his love for us and forgiveness when we need that forgiveness. The New Testament scholar uh, David Lose asks the question, have we narrowed how we understand and talk about the salvation that Jesus brings? And then he goes on to say that we tend to think of salvation mainly in terms of erasing sin and failure rather than the creation of new life and possibility. We're not only saved from something, but also for something, for life in all its abundance here and now. And I would add to that that so many times uh, our conversations about salvation Focus on us going to heaven. And for those of us who are getting up in years, that's something that's perhaps on our minds. (laughs) But that's not all that salvation is about. The salvation Jesus talks about is for this life. It's to make this life full and rich and abundant. It would be wonderful to know what happened to that man who was healed over the years as he lived into that healing as he lived into the new life that he was given by Jesus. But perhaps the question for us this morning is not what happened to him, but what is happening to us? How have our lives, your life and mine, been changed by Jesus the door? How many of us have been invited into a new life, found our lives transformed? And and sometimes it happens in a flash, and all of life seems to be transformed. Other times, it's bits and pieces. It's one day, the next day, something new that's transformed by Jesus that allows us to live a life that's full of abundance. I think that thinking of Jesus in this way, as the door or the gate, I think it makes it possible for us to see that this is something that is open to us. It's not just there to close and keep some out. Well, uh, like any door or gate, uh, it can sound very exclusive and it can sound like it does keep people out. I would not be an Episcopal priest if I did not believe in the unique revelation of Jesus as the incarnate one 
and to proclaim his resurrection. And I believe that all of us as Christians are called to that. That's the good news. The good news is that Jesus came among us and he revealed to us the nature of God as perhaps no other person has. But I don't believe we're called to judge this faith journey or the way that others seek God. I believe our doors always have to be open. We need to welcome without judgment those who come among us because they, too, are seeking as we are seeking. So as we think about Jesus, the door today, think about our doors and pray that our doors will always be open as Jesus, the door is to all who come for it is for everyone, the love and the grace of God. Amen. Amen.